Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 23rd of January 2013. I always suggest that people you make could use the website cuttingthroughmatrix.com. There's lots to download for free. There are lots of audios where I go through the system you're born into and explain uh, how it works and how it works on your mind too and how indoctrination is put into your head. You're really indoctrinated from the time you're born really. And then television takes over watching cartoons. And it's amazing how much money goes into paying cartoons to, to put in all the PC updates as we evolve, as they call it, at the top. And then you go on to school and you're further given scientific indoctrination. And then the media takes over from there. So you're really kept in an artificial way of looking at the world. And, of course, that's the way your masters want it to be. You understand there's different levels of reality. And even the stuff that we get for news is at the bottom level of the of reality. It's been authorized to be out there because all the mainstream media is owned by those who rule the world and are directing the world along a particular course. Remember as well that uh, you are the audience that bring me to you so you can help me tick along hopefully by getting the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com or donating and you'll see how to do it at, at, on the website and remember too from the US to Canada you can still use personal checks or international postal money orders or you can send cash or use PayPal and across the world Western Union MoneyGram and PayPal but straight donations are awfully awfully welcome in these times and so you should read the books too because uh, they do see I show you things in a different way of conology is called it's like Machiavelli Machiavelli was a con man and all advisors have always been con men to the, the so-called kings and queens and now it's presidents and prime ministers that's how the world's been run for thousands of years the guys with the knowledge of how to control vast populations, how to uh, stop them over, you know, overrunning the guys in the governments, keep them at peace, uh, keep them in obedience or fear. It's often combined together, uh, but never give them the truth. And that's what's redone. Really you run, you run by fear. Most of it is about things that will never happen, but uh, it, it's how they're even getting the global warming thing through as well as we freeze. I mean, last night here it got to uh, 42 below Fahrenheit. And it's almost the same in centigrade. So there's hardly a peep in the papers about anything like that. Uh, same as we've got a, a storm going across Europe, and there's folk dying in, in Eastern Europe too because of the intense cold. Well, it's only about half of what, what it is here, actually. But nevertheless, that shows you that there's no hype about it. Uh, but when you get a warm, sunny day, it's, oh, my God, it's global warming. So you're run by chronology, and the art of chronology is ancient, ancient. And it's taught to specific people, not at the regular universities either, uh, on how to, as I say, control billions of people's minds, how to keep you running around, chasing tales, uh, generally your own, and how getting nowhere for most of your lives. Or lots of trivia that got nothing to do with anything, and uh, and also misleading news, or 
bits of truth with big, big spins on them too. Because whatever happens in the world, they want you on board with the big agenda. And to do so, they must lie to you profusely, which they do. And they must make big things happen now and then to get you all on board with them, especially when you feel threatened about something. Oh, those guys are going to kill us all. That's been used so many times in history. It's just it's very nauseous. But it works every time. So we're run by intelligent people, people who know the techniques that go way back to Plato and beyond, in fact, and have been known by specialists in the area of advising. The advisors, remember, are more important than the front men they put out there for you to throw the tomatoes at. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I am back. We're cutting through the matrix, talking about the big system. And the system, remember, never stays static. Even when you think it's quiet for a little period, there's big think tanks across the whole world, hundreds and hundreds of them working on on their special areas to do with all of us, to make us change our ways of thinking and viewing specific uh, topics, uh, modifying our behavior, all of these kind of things, always on the go, all working together, actually. It's massive. It's incredibly massive. And it's a very old system, this, this whole part of it, because I've, I've gone through the history, remember, of the Royal Institute of International Affairs, and before they were called the Lord Milner group, and before that they were called, they also had the Cecil Rhodes and Lord Rothschild group as well, who used the British system, the British Empire system, because Britain was conquered, you understand, they were simply using the British people to conquer the rest of it, by the banking fraternity, that is. And they were, they were using the British system. And then the boys who ran the money lending system decided to use America and to take over because Britain was bankrupted long ago with all its wars. And America was to take over. And even their historian, the Royal Institute of International Affairs or Council on Foreign Relations, same thing, uh, said in, in, in his book, he was their own personal historian, uh, that there's a parallel history. And, and these guys should get their, their mention eventually because they've so radically altered history in the tw- all through the 20th century and then obviously into the present century too. But these are the same guys who set up the United Nations. He says they're often, uh, quickly says they're often mistaken for communists because it's the same, using the same techniques as communism too. By the way, the boys were all for communism as well. Because ultimately they'd bring in a system where the big boys at the top, the intellectual elites, the banking fraternity, the scientific community would run all the people beneath them and the middlemen would all be uh, bureaucrats and social agencies, etc., running everyone's lives in a communistic fashion. I've said that for years and years and years. And it's good that others pick up on it and understand what's going on. And you'll see that... um, the United Nations is a big, big player. Most laws have, that have come down over many years now, even right down to your building codes in every country, come from the United Nations. And all the things about, uh, uh, for instance, the Great Transition. I've talked about the Great Transition. You understand, when they put these terms out, as I say, they're abstracts, and they're meant to be repeated and repeated uh, in such a way that they, they sink into your mind, even if you don't understand what it means totally, it sinks into your mind by osmosis, as Jacques E. Lowell said about it. Most folk learn by osmosis, not by understanding things. They repeat terms they don't even understand. 
but it concretizes, it makes it concrete something which is abstract, and then you, you give it more uh, respect as, as a concrete thing, like, like a carbon tax, for instance. So anyway, I've mentioned the Great Transition, so for about a year or more, they've been putting out the Great Transition uh, articles on, on websites from the United Nations, but across the whole world. So all emerge from Britain, all emerge from different countries on the Great Transition. And communitarianism is also part of it too, as Agenda 21 is as well, collectivism and so on. It's all part of the same thing. And it really is the culmination of the dialectic process of using two opposites to bring in a middle way and because you merge things together, you have a compromise and out of that you have what you were after all along. That was your goal. So the right and the left works together, whether you, whether you know it or not. At least the banking fraternity did and the communist fraternity because it was all funded by the bankers to bring in this system so that the elite would manage us all. Remember too, in communism, it was never believed that the average person was capable of running their own lives. And you'll see so many articles coming out from Obama's group, for instance, pretty well saying the same thing. It's a world of experts to run you. That's what you need, you see. It takes a village and all that nonsense to raise a child. So you understand you're almost the end of a whole phase of this. It's not, it's not happened. It's already happened. Most folk out there have been socialized without even knowing it and domesticated into socialism without understanding it by very clever techniques as well. And, and it's very effective. If you understand, a brainwashed person doesn't know they're brainwashed. In fact, they'd fight you physically before they'll admit they could be wrong. They won't even look at evidence to the contrary, no matter where it comes from. They will not even look at it. Their minds are fixed. And Secretary General Ban Ki-moon at the United Nations Give a speech a few days ago in California, and it says here that um, this is uh, Secretary Ban Ki-moon delivers at lecture at Stanford University in Palo Alto, California, and it says um, the world is going undergoing big changes in the economic. Now this is to do with the redistribution of wealth, which is one of the, the whole planks of the Communist Manifesto. Development and political spheres. It's all it's all referring to communistic things. It's very similar to Obama's speech for those who don't understand communism. So it says, um, he gave a lecture at the Stanford University, highlighting three essential ways to navigate through this great transition. See, the great transition, the great change. Remember I've mentioned that in the last century, for 50 years or more in higher academia, uh, professors talked amongst themselves and so on about, uh, about uh, the great the century of change, which is to be the 21st century, when all of what they'd worked for for the last hundred odd years would, would be done, completed in this century, the 21st century. It's the same thing. Century of change, change is good, great transition. It's all the same thing. Throughout the ages, people have found that the world is in the midst of a big change, but the level and degree of global change we face today is far more pronounced than any period in my adult lifetime. And he calls it the great transition. In his speech entitled, the United Nations at, in a war, in a WAT, uh, it says the, the current rate will soon be, need two planet Earths, so the population and so on. We have only one planet. There can be no plan B because there is no plan B. Both science and economics tell us that we need to change course. So economics, and this is what the whole point is in communism, science was eventually to run you with economics along with it too. They both go together. And the old priesthoods are all gone. They've been demolishing religions for a long time. 
they're still demolishing one of the last religions across the Middle East right now. And it's not finished. It'll be gone for many, many years yet as you go into other Muslim countries to bring in the proper system, which is the one we're in. They call it democracy, by the way, at the top. And it says here, um, it says that he noted that the transition is economic as engines of growth and economic power continue to shift with the rise of the Asia-Pacific region. Now, all your countries were on board, all the leaders of your countries were on board with, uh, with, uh, and signed the GATT Treaty. We all paid, all taxpayers of the West paid to set up modern China as modern China and give them all the factories and everything. And economists ran, were all paid to go over there and show, by us again to show them how to do all their economic systems and so on and so on and so on. It didn't happen by itself. Which meant that there'd be no, no work left pretty well in all the Western countries. So the boys who, who were, you elected in, or you think you elected in, who were all pre-chosen again by the CFR, Royal of International Affairs, regardless of the party they belonged to, uh, were all on board with selling all of you out. And to, to become service economies. And so the, the transition is developmental as the world seeks a more sustainable path for people and the planet. So you're back in the sustainability agenda 21, population reduction, um, and so on. The transition is also political as landmark change in our world, our world and beyond brings new hope to places that have long been deserts of democracy. Now the United Nations for many, many years, all through the Soviet year too, had dictators on board with it as members and all kinds of people. It was okay as long as they were communistic and served their purpose. But I was telling you that this thing, this term called democracy, which is really collectivism or communism, but at the top you've got the elite fascists, obviously, uh, is now in place. And that's why, they're, that's why they've been demolishing all the Middle East, because they don't run on this so-called democracy principle. And it says, I believe we... And neither do we, by the way. It says, I believe we face a unique opportunity because the changes we face are so profound. The decisions we make will have a deeper, more lasting impact and so on and so on. We have no time to lose. So always rush on ahead. He highlighted three essential ways to navigate through the great transition by truly advancing sustainable development, by helping people meet their aspirations for democracy and dignity, and by empowering women and young people. They always push the same communist stuff out, and it's all loaded, of course because they also want to, to, to get women uh, not to marry altogether eventually and not have children. And young people are the young people that are the next army of indoctrinated youth. They always indoctrinate further with every generation who will be the young, well, greenies who are just like the young Communist Party. On sustainable development, Mr. Ban points out the next 20 years, the world will need at least 50% more food, 45% more energy, and 30% more water, he says. At the current rate, we'll soon need two planet Earths, but we have only one planet. As you noted that with the eighth largest economy in the world, California has a special role. So then he praises them, to the, even though they're bankrupt, you know, massively. But he really praises, praises their, the way they're handling things. He says, while working to achieve sustainable development, it's also vital to strive for sustainable peace, he says. And then he went on about the, the conflict in Syria, which, of course, they're all funding from the West to get rid of the old system. And remember, the Muslim countries generally run uh, through family. It's almost like kings and, and, and their relatives. It's very, very similar. And, and that's how they've been running for a long, long, long time. He says, you've seen the tragedy play out on your television screens, neighborhoods raised, hospitals destroyed, etc. 
and talks about Syria as in a death spiral. And of course they want money again sent to the United Nations to help those that have been dispossessed and lost their homes and so on. And then he goes on about humanitarian appeals less than 50% funded while access continues to be a problem with UN and other humanitarian actors not able to physically reach all the people in need. Well, that's not their goal is to reach all the people in need. Wherever the United Nations has gone, it's either by using NATO to slaughter folk or to kill folk off even through vaccinations if you've been following the trails of them across the world as the sperm count suddenly plummets. And I'll, I'll touch on that tonight too. It's nothing to do with saving everybody for all their talk. Nothing at all. But again, he praises the bisexual, transgender community. It's the biggest thing, apparently, most important thing in the world, and so on, and so on, and so on. Back with more after this break. Folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, and I'll put another link up too on uh, Bankai Moon as well, uh, where he goes into it in a bit more detail. I'll put the two links up, and put all the links up tonight. In fact, that we'll read tonight at cuttingthroughmatrix.com. Now, part of the United Nations agenda too, because they're really they're told what their agenda is. They're put in there by very, very wealthy people into office. All of them, believe you me, and they're all on board with it. You wouldn't get into the United Nations unless you were on board with this whole global agenda, where everyone apparently is responsible for his brother everywhere across the planet under this collectivized system. And it says here that Sweden mulls carbon tax. They put the carbon tax on meat. To reduce emissions. Now remember, that's one of the big uh, priorities too of this globalizing uh, system and the green agenda. Only the very wealthy will get meat in the future because um, they don't want you to be so, you know, tall, bright and all the rest of it as as they are themselves. Uh, Just like they they called them the little people in the Middle Ages, the peasantry, because they were were malnourished. But some so they use this to reduce emissions, you see, or stop the, uh, the farting of cattle, apparently. And it says here that um, Sweden's agricultural board on Tuesday proposed a tax on meat to discourage consumption of a product that supposedly strains the environment because much of it has to be imported. The news report said Swedish meat consumption has increased around 33% over the past 30 years and is now higher than the EU average. It's probably because the only ones in the, they can afford it anymore because it's so darn expensive. Beef production in particular uses a lot of resources, it says. Our mandate includes looking at sustainable development and food production that benefits the consumer, the board spokeswoman Gabrielle Callan was quoted as saying. The report offered three solutions, less meat consumption globally, the possibility of taxing meat and international agreements to support sustainable meat production. Understand, all your food supply is owned by five agribusinesses right now. They're putting all the small farms under. Years ago, uh, the Department of Agriculture, the United Nations, the, the head appointed at the time, said that um, she said that it was uh, farming can't be left to farmers. And, and this whole world, in fact, of things to be international corporations and so on. And your food supply is to go up in the planet. In fact, the, the Ministry of Agriculture, the United Nations, the same woman said that eventually down the road, the UN will be responsible for dishing out the, 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 the quotas to each nation or, or, or region, she called it. 
and those within the region would have to agree amongst themselves how to distribute it. And if, if the rationing got less and less, then they'd be forced to, your own people would be forced to sterilize you and so on and so on. That's literally what the agenda is, folks, for, for those who can't quite get it, what's happening. It seems too horrific for, this is all happening, you know. It's, it's all, you're already trained for it, in fact. Most won't even mind. And it says Sweden's uh, minister has ruled out a specific meat tax, but um, regardless, they're going to start putting up some kind of tax on meat, whatever, a specific tax. But uh, it, it ties in, too, with the Minister of Health for Britain. I'll put that up tonight, too, uh, who's the, 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 the parliamentarian that's been appointed over the health uh, industry there, or what's left of it. And she said, you can spot the, the poor people, they're the fat ones. The reason that they're fat folk is because they're eating mainly carbohydrates, stacks of carbohydrates and sugars. That's why. And this article, too, talks about the cops now. Now, cops for years, not just in the U.S. and Canada and elsewhere, have been on steroids. And in fact, since the Schwarzenegger movies first came out, that really pushed, that gave the, the, the final kind of a, a, applause and approval for steroid use. And you used to go, I used to live in Toronto at one point and could see, go past the Gold's Gym and you'd see a lot of these guys, their big gym bags outside in the, and outside the, the, the Gold's Gym in different places. And you'd see them opening them up and they had all these injectable um, steroids there and testosterone and all the rest of it there. And they'd, they'd be selling them to each other and so on. That's been an old, old thing. Because they want to be tough, you understand. Now, all, they all know it's inside the police forces, and, and some places in the States actually um, uh, promote it. I've read the articles from some police chiefs in the U.S. who have got the testosterone patches, and they're, they've mandated that all their staff should get them too. And it says that dozens of police officers in Britain are being uh, investigated for using anabolic steroids supplied by criminals in gyms, uh, as, as your, your club's a report has revealed, also says some officers abuse their powers to obtain sexual favours. An association of chiefs, uh, police officers in England and Wales ordered the report from the anti-corruption group Transparency International. You understand, even this is all international. Everything's international, you see. In fact, the association of chief police actually is a me- as they're all members of the United Nations, for those who don't get it. Since the Police Federation of England and Wales said a very low number of officers tested positive for drugs. Transparency International is a non-governmental group which monitors corporate and political corruption. In its report, urges zero tolerance on corruption says forces should not firefight their way from crisis to crisis. Uh, the spokesman on professional standards, Staffordshire Chief Constable Michael Cunningham, said the problems caused by officers taking steroids were a significant threat to the integrity and professionalism of the police service. Well, actually, you'll see them when they go crazy wanting to beat up people because they're, they're so high on these, these, these steroids, like cavemen. And it also makes them really swell up and, and then look like you know, balloon people or Michelin people. And... and uh, because they don't get the exercise to, 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 to use it properly anyway. It doesn't turn into muscle, turns into kind of flab with them, but they put the weight on, they pack the weight on. But also uh, makes them go crazy at times as well. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. 
Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix and talking about the big system. I'll also put another link up to put the steroid use by British police as well. But just, as I say, they're all using it across the planet. It's been used for, oh, I don't know, who knows how long, 30 years or more. And getting worse all the time. And, and allowed to as well because they want more aggressive guys on the, on the, as, as cops. And they want the public to be scared now because you're going through the great transition and you've got a lot more orders going to get barked at you. You're going to have to obey very quickly. They don't want you saying I've got rights and stuff like that. And as an example too of totalitarianism and how it gets in, remember the European uh, Union, which is um, a, a new Soviet, in fact it's a Soviet on steroids itself. Uh, it's non-democratic, although they always use democracy to push the wars on every other, every other country. But um, just like Australia, they want to uh, sack the power to sack or suspend journalists, it says. And they had the Lord Levison inquirer, and it says, A European Union report has urged tight press regulation and demanded that Brussels officials are given control. So they want, they want their own, you know, Stasi, Brussels Stasi officials, the government, to be given control of national media supervisors with new powers to enforce fines or the sacking of journalists. I hope you understand the gravity of all this. Yeah. So it says, Lord Justice Levison's inquiry did shine a light on some genuine and shocking abuses of press power. It says, but it says, the high-level recommendations that will be used to draft future EU legislation also attacked David Cameron for failing to automatically implement proposals by the Lord Justice Leavis inquiry for a state regulation of British press. A high-level EU panel that includes Latvia's former president and former German justice minister was ordered by Neely Crowes, European Commission Vice President, last year to report on media freedom and pluralism. It has concluded that it's time to introduce new rules to rein in the press. All EU countries should have independent media councils. The report con- it's, like, it's like the Politburo. You could even write about poetry in the Soviet Union unless it was all passed as okay by panels of people in the Politburo. It says media councils should have real enforcement powers such as the imposition of fines, orders for printed or broadcast apologies, or removal of journalistic status. As well as setting up state regulators with draconian powers, the panel also recommended that the European Commission be placed in overall control in order to ensure that the new watchdogs do not breach EU laws. So it's, it's all here. Uh, you know, it's all here. And, and what happens in the European Union happens everywhere else too. As I say, Australia has already got the same thing, uh, on the way there too. They had their own lawyer there to, to draft out thousands of pages. And he is the, you understand we're under a global system. What happens one place happens everywhere. Although they won't tell every country at the same time that they're actually doing it. And also, to do with the, the remember the, 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 flu, the swine flu shot uh, came out uh, two years ago, whatever it was, uh, that uh, left a plague behind them of people who had narcolepsy, children especially, in Sweden and uh, Finland and places like that. And this article here is about the update on it all. And it gives you different cases of people who had it in 2009 after getting immunized. Uh, with the pandemic's H1N1 swine flu vaccine made by British drug maker GlaxoSmithKline. And it says, uh, 
and it gives Emily Olison for example, is plagued by hallucinations and nightmares. She wakes up, she's often paralyzed, unable to breathe properly or call for help, and during the day she can barely stay awake and often misses school or having fun with friends. She's only 14 years old, but at times she has wondered if her life is worth living. She's one of around 800 children in Sweden and elsewhere in Europe who developed narcolepsy, an incurable sleep disorder. It's her life. After being immunized with the pandemic's H1N1 swine flu vaccine, oh, you better get it now, you better get it now before we run out, remember, all that stuff, made by the British drug maker GlaxoSmithKline in 2009. Finland, Norway, Ireland and France have seen spikes in narcolepsy cases too, and people familiar with the results of the soon-to-be-published study in Britain have told Reuters it will show a similar pattern in children there. So there's more of them. Their fake coping with an illness that all but destroys normal life is developing into what the health official who coordinated Sweden's vaccination campaign calls as a medical tragedy, tragedy is all, that will demand rising scientific and medical attention. <laughs> Europe's drug regulator has ruled pandemics should no longer be used in people aged under 20, and the chief medical officer at GSK's vaccine division, Norman Begg, says his firm views the issue extremely seriously and is absolutely committed to getting to the bottom of this, which will never happen, of course. So, it's uh, it's pretty nasty, and that's what you get to see when you just fall for all the propaganda and you fall for the hype and the fear. You better get it now, better get it now, uh, because, you're, you know, that's what happens, folks. This is in total that the GSK shot was given to more than 30 million people in 47 countries from 2009 to 2010. Because it contains an adjuvant or booster, it was not used in the U.S. because drug regulators there were wary of the adjuvanted vaccines. And so, as I say, well, I'll go on down the road before you get the whole number of folk who have signs and symptoms of this. Remember too, like every every illness is, that's there or is created, it'll have different levels of it. People, some people won't, won't just go to sleep all the time, other ones will just feel tired once in a while overwhelmingly and, and sort of cope and they won't know they've got it. Now, in this world system, you have to be treated for med- medically, that is, according to your status and importance to society. For those who haven't quite caught on to what it's all about. And I mentioned too about Britain uh, as, as really the flagship for a lot of this stuff, this National Health Service has been cut to the bone. And the no resuscitate uh, messages they have and codes on the bottom of everyone's bed on the, on the chart there and so on. Who to resuscitate, who not to resuscitate. And it really is according to your status in the community. It's not just the medical condition itself. It's, it's, everything's coming down to economics, you see, and you're an economic unit as a producer. If you're not a producer anymore and you've got, say, an illness that's going to disable you or give you long-term treatment, then you're going to be a problem for them. You're, you're a loss to them. And this is literally how it is today. But so anyway, they get, uh, they're bringing lots of doctors in from abroad that aren't half trained into Britain. Some of them you can hardly understand. And, uh, and you wonder how they got passed in the first place. But here it says here, girl dies of brain tumor after the doctor tells her that the headaches are caused by stress. This is your sort of diagnosis you get in Britain now. Now I've read the articles too, uh, to do with 
the fact that the, the government has told them that the, the GPs to cut back on referrals to specialists and to hospitals to save money. This is an older article here, mind you, but it's, 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 this stuff's going on all the time too in Britain. And then uh, this one too is, is a recent one. This is mother saves her son's life after Googling revealed he could have a brain tumor and not simply the migraines. So the mother said to her, seriously, ill son after she realized he could have a brain tumor by searching for his symptoms online. Sabina Jones knew there was something seriously wrong with her son, despite doctors diagnosing him first with a stomach bug and then with migraines. She pleaded with doctors to give him a CT scan, which revealed the cancer. So he got an emergency operation at Birmingham Children's Hospital to remove the inch-long tumor. And he started having persistent problems with vomiting, his vision and headaches during last summer. And Mrs. Jones and husband Dave said they took him to the Royal Shrewsbury Hospital on three separate occasions, where his condition was first dismissed as a stomach infection and then as migraines. Can you really believe that? Can we believe that? I mean, he's got the symptoms of something wrong with his brain. Yeah, the first thing you do is to check him for infection, see that they've got, got um, encephalitis or, or meningitis. And if not that, you check further and you find that there's a tumour when you get vomiting like that and the headaches. And I've got spinal problems too. Anyway, uh, this is the sort of staff they have now. And this is what they bring in, want to bring into the U.S. as well. Because uh, as I say, the Rand Corporation is the one employed by Obama's team to, to study the best system. And they said they copied the British system. Now, as all this is happening too, and I've mentioned over the years about the, the men's, men's sperm count plummeting. And it's all a big mystery, of course. And of course, there's bisphenol A and different things like that all involved. And, and xenoestrogens, there's synthetic estrogens involved in your food and, and the pop, the drink and lots of other things too. But it's more than that, I'm sure. And they'll go anywhere except to go into the fact that it is possible to sterilize people through giving them vaccinations for supposedly other things. Now, the UN has admitted they did that during through Africa and India at one point for quite a few years back. And uh, because they did give out so-called free tetanus shots to women, pregnant women only. And they all ended up uh, aborting their children and a lot of them ended up sterilized completely because it caused massive inflammation in their ovaries. So it was weaponized. Anyway, sperm quality has declined by 30%. This is in Spain. In 10 years only. And a poor, and they blame the poor diet and lifestyle. Could be to blame, it says. Now, the, the thing is, too, when folk had poor diets in the past, uh, they didn't have a population problem. You can look at Britain and other countries, too. Where the average person who joined the military in World War I was under, under size, and did they, they sprout three to four inches in the first year because they were getting meat for the first time and protein because they couldn't afford otherwise. So anyway, it says the Spanish studies found that even in young men, sperm concentration fell an average of 2% a year and could soon hit levels where fertility is compromised. This is all an agenda. What, what, what was it? What was it saying there? The, the Ban Ki-moon about sustainability. Sustainability. It means depopulation, folks, and not having children. A 10-year study of more than 200 men found the average concentration went from 72 million spermatozoids per milliliter in 2001 to 52 million per milliliter in 2011. 
and they found from the University of Murcia says, said the findings are important because previous research has shown that a concentration lower than 40 million per mil makes conception more difficult. At the rate of loss we have uh, outlined continues with an average decline in quality of 2% per year. The sperm of young men could reach the danger level of 40 million per mil in a very short space of time, said co-researcher Professor Jamie Dendiola. So that just ties in with all the other studies, the disappearing male and all the rest of the articles I've put out over the years. Now, I've mentioned many times before, and simply reinforcing what's actually happening, is that the big push now on is, again, you're an economic unit. And the United Nations said that a good, a good world citizen is a good producer and consumer, not one or the other. You've got to do both. But if you get sick, of course, then... You're a burden to the state. It doesn't matter if you paid for all insurance, so it doesn't make any difference whatsoever, because they can obviously use that money for wars and various other things, or corporate welfare, or whatever. But um, the, the push is on, and, and, and Europe, and Britain, and Canada, for the dying with dignity legislation, they call it, which is euthanasia. And of course, it's a, it's a motive topic, so if we get pulled into the motive part of it, and... Now, for many, many years, folk and their families have dealt with the, the, the terminally ill in their own families because most folk treated them at home, all down through many, many centuries. And it's up to what they, them, what they do themselves. The fact is here, what you've got is government wants to get involved. Now, governments have agendas, folks. They're in politics. Politics have parties and parties have agendas. And that's why you can't hand this over to government. I hope you understand this. The government is going to... you understand they are placing all your old deities? Government because becomes God. They're going to decide if you are allowed to have a child shortly in the future. I've read the articles on the air here where they're bringing out the debates to get you used to it. They call them trial balloons to get you used to the idea. So they have the power of life and the power of death over people. That's godlike powers. I hope you understand it. All, all powers in the state. All powers in the state. This has been part of this, a long, long war for an awful long time. For, for one group to run the planet, uh, using uh, the ballyhoo of science, and getting the public to yeah and cheer and give up all the rights along the way, because they're conned so easily. By emotional topics and so on. Anyway, it says Quebec is to proceed with the dying with dignity legislation and the Quebec government says it will proceed with its dying with dignity legislation aimed at allowing doctors to help some terminally ill patients end their lives. That's how it starts, you see. And we saw what happened in Holland when it started. Now the state will send a van round to your place if the doctors don't want to kill you. And they'll send their own ones to go up the stairs and in your room and kill you instead. Never stops. Once you get on the books, it expands to the real purpose. A provincial panel of legal experts studying medically assisted end-of-life procedures released its recommendations Tuesday, suggesting Quebec could bypass the Canadian Criminal Code, which prohibits assisted suicide and allow doctors to help some people who wish to die at a time of their own choosing. That's how it will start. 
The panel concludes that when a terminally ill patient is receiving palliative treatment and can demonstrate with lucidity the desire to end his or her life, helping that patient carry out that wish should be considered part of the continuum of care. Now, that's how it started in Holland, too. And I've read articles here where even a nun was killed by them, by mistake, supposedly, because they just put you down as a dead loss, literally, and that's what they do with you. They kill you. Because you're a burden on society. And you can save a lot of money. You see, you might live in there a few months and take medications and the occasional nurse to take checking in and so on. And as I say, they've got better uses for it. They've got to take their wealth and spread it across the world to their international corporations. Another article, too, is about the, how society's kaput anyway is finished. has been for a long time because the war also, and I've read from the, the Frankfurt School, from their articles by Adorno and others, where they said that he would, would just totally destroy the existing cultures to bring in this new society, which, of course, they would rule. And um, even gave the reasons why <laughs> they did have to do this. And right down to necrophilia, he said, we'll bring it down to necrophilia. I'll put up a necrophilic article today as well, and it's from California, where a male nurse apparently was having it off with someone who died in the hospital. So all the things that were unimaginable, many years ago, have accelerated it. They're all here now. They're even in movies, for goodness sake. And the names of top politicians, royal aides, and a famous pop star on list seized by police investigating child pedophile ring at suburban bed and breakfast. They call it a bed and breakfast. And it says here, they found it in, in, in the home of a former child protection worker. They're using the children, of course. Child protections into a lot of weird stuff, including renting children off to very important people for their, their orgies. This is in England. There's even royalty, apparently, on the list. Back with more after this break. Hi, folks. We're back, cutting through the Matrix, and we'll go to Anthony from New York, if you're still there. Hello. Hello, uh, Alan. Yes. Hi. Yeah, I was going to actually ask a separate question, separate from the topic, but because the information that's coming you is coming from you is so good, I just don't want to interrupt it at all. So I'll just go ahead and uh, let you um, uh, continue. Mm-hmm. Well, well, actually, I was just going to uh, talk about this, <laughs> what's been happening in Britain. Uh, as they go on with these investigations, and now they'll come up, as I say, with a child protection worker uh, who kept documents hidden from the police on behalf of the, the madame of this B&B, which is actually a place she was renting out to for homosexual parties that were bringing in young children and abusing them there. And it says here that police are investigating uh, allegations of a child pedophile network. They've seized a list naming the top politicians, members of the royal household, and a world-renowned pop star, it was reported today. The Leslie visitors to a bed-and-breakfast guest house, which operated as a brothel where youngsters were abused at gay sex parties. Names were recorded on handwritten note found by police at the North London home of child protection worker Mary Moss during a raid. She initially declined to cooperate with investigation and documents, and a laptop was seized, and Miss Moss later handed over 19 files she had put in a neighbor's shed. The papers include a list of men who went to sex parties in the 80s 
at the Elm Guest House in Barnes, southwest London. Among them were two former Conservative cabinet ministers as politicians, four other senior uh, Conservative members, a Labour member of Parliament, prominent, prominent Irish Republican, and a leading National Front member, according to the Sunday people. It also has two members of the royal household, one a former Buckingham Palace employee, plus the owner of a multinational company, and two pop stars as well. And one of those is a best-selling musician, but unlike some others, on the list he's not suspected of being involved in any child abuse. In other words, they've got his name on the list, but they can't have anything about um, connected if he actually took part in something. Anyway... That's part of what I'm talking about, too, is like that case in California with the, the necrophilia. Remember that, that um, Theo Adorno from the Frankfurt School said, we must totally destroy American culture and Western culture altogether, right down to, to necrophilia, he literally said, uh, and, and rebuild society according to their own view. Now, he was totally communistic in his outlook that specialists like himself, he believed that he was part of the elite, an intellectual elite, should rule the world. And he made no bones about it. Neither did the rest of the people at the Frankfurt School. So we're well on that path today. And uh, it's, it's funny too, that, as I say, never mind all the things that are happening in the world, uh, uh, the catastrophes, the wars are going on, and so on. Uh, Obama is giving, it's one about Obama's call for gay rights makes history. Is this the most important thing on the planet, gay rights? Now this is part of the agenda that was set out a long time ago, and even all of these rights were mentioned by the Frankfurt School and others of the communistic uh, society. To destroy the societies was the reason that they said it. They had to destroy the natural family units. And if people aren't breeding, uh, then there's no children, which also falls in with Gender 21, depopulation, and so on and so on. So, literally, we're, we're uh, well on our way, and people are indoctrinated into it. They've all adapted into their conditioning through a f- quite a few generations now. And it's, it, you couldn't sit with your great-grandmother on the same, same, uh, in the same room and watch what you see on television today, because she wasn't indoctrinated. To the next step, to the next step, to the next step, to the next step. So now you've got mothers sitting with their daughters who are six or seven and that they put them into pole dancing because they're watching it on TV. I mean, this is quite normal now. Yeah. But, but thanks for calling. And from Hamish Michelle, Frontier, Canada, it's good night to me, your God or your God's go with you.